You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. So glad for you to join in with me today. If you'd like to call in, you can do so at 608 501 New callers go directly to the front of the line. It doesn't appear that we have any new callers, so let's kick this thing off. And we got to hurry because, you know, I want to get you to this uh, show at 10 o'clock. Hey, Ryan, Daniel from California. Hey. The, uh, on NFL.com, Greg Rosenthal released a top 10 for the best GMs, and Brian Gutekinds ended up being number eight. Uh, you should go check out that list, do a breakdown of it. Um, but, yeah, number one, Howie Roseman. Two, Brett Beach from KC. Three, Duke Tobin from Cincinnati. Four, Brandon Bean. Five, John Lynch. Six, Lesney. Seven, Brad Holmes. Eight is Goody. Nine is John Schneider. Ten is Jerry Jones. Eleven is Belichick. Oh, it's actually not ten, top ten. It's the power ranking. Yeah. But, yeah, I was the top ten. So, yeah, check it out. Go Pack Go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's a couple things. First of all, it is funny how this thing is – it goes in cycles, right? Now the Cincinnati guys at the top or near the top or whatever because of that, you know, you got your quarterback, you got your wide receiver. There seems to be a pattern. You get your quarterback, you get your wide receiver, you become the top guy, right? The the guy, the Eagles, got the quarterback, got the wide receiver, AJ, at the top, right? That's <laughs> Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, but that was five years ago, so he's starting to drift down. So it just becomes this big cycle thing, right? You get your team set up, and boom, you're the best GM ever. And then... You know, because it's kind of like the stock market where you miss more than you hit, your team starts to slip, your picks don't look so good anymore, and you just kind of drift down, 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 kind of hoping to just get that one really lucky one where, you know, it, it comes up heads seven times out of ten, and it's like, dang, that was a great draft, what a good GM. And he's like, yeah, that was freaking pure luck right there, Chief. So, um, yeah, and I think ultimately that's kind of what Good is missing. He doesn't have that big like dang he got a bunch of picks and he didn't get the quarterback at least not yet if that's why if jordan love hits then it's just he goes skyrockets to the top whether the anti-good crowd wants to acknowledge that or not that's going to happen but but the reason why he is at or near the top is because if you look at it in a vacuum you look at it and go, eh, it's not that good but when you look at it compared to everybody else yeah he's he's eight nine ten somewhere in that range probably so that's why i talk about context because Again, he doesn't draft in a vacuum. He drafts with 31 other teams. And when you compare them, I think he comes out fine. Hey, Ryan. Had to get your thought on uh, on something because I know you're uh, getting into the pizza game. Dude, so first of all, hate to interrupt. Actually, I don't. But I, I took the New York style. And the New York people are going to be mad at me. But I, I yesterday... I made the best pizza so far, and I'm getting better. I'm getting like some real good crust on it. So there were several factors in here. I'm adding my own little components. I put like a a garlic or uh, what was it, garlic whatever kind of thing spread across the pizza, and then around the crust with some uh, with some parmesan on it. So you get the parmesan crust. But check this out. 
It was a cheese curd and pepperoni pizza. Dude! And I, I made the sauce, and it was kind of like you said, but it was, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to go get a recipe. I think I get it. I got the sugar, the salt, the this, the that, the, 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 the put it in there, mix it up. The sauce was freaking on point. The, the pizza, dude! And it was the first time I got the crust like good and crunchy because I decided I got smart. Hey, you can put it on the lower rack where the heat element is. That'll give you a little bit more heat. I tried to do the pizza stone thing, but I couldn't get it off the thing to put it on the pizza stone. So I just had a 500-degree pizza stone sitting in my kitchen begging my kids to please not try to touch it. Anyways, it was fantastic. I'm very proud of it, and um, we'll see where we go from here. Did you know that there are people out there who don't use a pizza cutter and, in fact, use pizza scissors? That's fake. just curious if you knew that, because, uh, yeah, I used to date a girl, um, and her whole family were pizza scissors people, and, uh, and we're not together anymore, for, for good reason, clearly. Um, not not all not all there, those people. Why, Why are you using you scissors? They, they make a tool, specifically, right. to do the thing you're trying to use. And you got to, like, pick up the pizza, don't you? You have to lift it up to cut it. You can't cut it on the, the pizza thing. How do you even do that? That's going to be so stupid. I mean, how do you get all the way through it? You can only, like, you'd have to, like, cut it halfway and then spin it and then cut it the other halfway? That's insane. You're fucking kitchen shears for, so why don't you go buy one of those? I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I use a pizza cutter like a normal person, um, but maybe there's other people listening who also use pizza scissors. I don't know. Um, just, yeah. Let me know what you think. Yeah, no, like go you said, it. they've got a tool for that. The only other acceptable thing, you know how they got that big, like, rocking knife thing you just like rock it rock it you know just a couple times that would be i think acceptable maybe if you wanted to use like a a machete just to be dope it's a little it's a little crazy but i mean i i would i would not argue with you but scissors that's that's not even cool that's stupid why would you do that that's crazy i mean i i feel like i've seen that somewhere and i don't know where but it was it was one of those things where you don't really think about it because it's like oh that's just an idiot you know like it's like one of those you know how um they got all those cooking things out now. I've seen a bunch of them like on Facebook. And uh, they just deliberately try to do stupid stuff because they get a massive amount of engagement and probably make a billion dollars off of it. Like making spaghetti and meatballs on their counter like freaking morons. It was probably one of those videos where they were like, okay, well, we're going to cut the pizza. And they use scissors. I'm like, you're just trying to be an idiot and just make everybody mad. But I, I, I know I've never like been to somebody's house or met anybody that's done that with scissors. I would be... Stun- I would. It would be weird eating it. Like, what is this going to be? Okay. What What did you use those scissors on before? Like, construction paper and glue. Like, I don't. I don't know. That's. I. I. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I could tolerate that either. I, I commend you for breaking that relationship off. That's. That's unacceptable. And then you got to wonder what other things are going on. You know. I mean, if you're doing that kind of stuff, you weren't raised right, and you're going to have some issues. And I can't deal with that. Okay, so this is a plethora of uh, topics, but uh, I'll try to make them quick. Okay. Um, when it comes to music, um, I think the best argument you can make for 70s and 80s music being the best is that when you go to a sports venue, like a basketball game, football game, baseball game, what kind of music are they playing right. when you're there at the stadium? Right. It's all- yeah, that's funny. They'll, they'll play a song from... 40 years ago, they won't play something on, like, the top 10 charts. I mean, I, granted, you got to pay for it, but, okay, they're not paying for something 10 years ago from the top 10 charts either. Always 80s rock, 70s rock that that they're playing that's the most popular. So 
just just my two cents worth on that. So uh, when it comes to draft stuff, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, uh, how are the how are the Packers? Why is that train just laying on the horn? Somebody taking a nap on the tracks? Take it easy on the horn, there, Chief. I go about uh, looking at all those seventh round picks they got. Um, are they going to get a kicker this year? I mean, we hadn't really heard that much about Mason. I was really hoping they were going to bring him back. So I just wonder, special team stuff. You know, what are, what do you think they're going to do with that? No one's asked that yet. So uh, here comes a train. I'm going to get off and I'll call you back. Somebody's about to get hit. My goodness. Um, <laughs> that was so obnoxious. What was even the question? Oh, special teams. No, yeah, that that is a thing that I hadn't really um, considered, although I have been focusing on some of the prospects. For example, on tomorrow's podcast, there's a corner that I kind of fell in love with. And the whole reason I really like the guy is because he's just completely reckless and violent. And And the funny thing is, whenever I like a guy, it automatically connects to he'd be great on special teams. Like that dude would be awesome because he just wants to kill people, and I appreciate that. But yeah, you're right. Once you start getting a little bit further into it, I I, I still think it's going to be an emphasis. I mean, they put a lot into it before, but I, I think they're going to lean on Rich Bisaccia. I think they've invested in it, and they want that to be a thing. And I think it's great that we have a guy like Rich Bisaccia to be able to help with these things. You know, to to help Gutekunst to assess what it, you know what do you need for those types of things, and um, to have that kind of veteran C veteranship. I don't know the word. Um, I think it'd be a great benefit. The question is what. Do we actually need? Uh, obviously, we're going to need to invest in a kicker. And and the question is, I guess, would they draft a kicker, which I think that they would. We've seen that they would invest um, pretty highly in it. Uh, Jake Moody is actually at 165 right now, which is fairly high. A few other kickers on here um, that are much later, but still potential, like, you know, the seventh round, whatever, Chad Ryland out of Maryland, Andre Schmidt, Syracuse, Noah Ruggles, Ohio State, Christopher Dunn, NC State, Jack Podlesny, Georgia, Harrison Mevis, uh, Mevis and Butthead, Missouri, and B.T. Potter out of Clemson would be the kickers. But yeah, I think that's uh, something to actually keep an eye on that I hadn't really considered is would they go, you know, I'm, I'm talking, you know, Jake Moody at 165 is what? Talking fifth round pick? Something like that? Michigan. So, you know, got the, got the weather there. And I've made my position clear. I, I have no issue... Investing in special teams, I, I think it's insane to say that you know we should be getting some fifth round rotate, you know, third string rotational freaking defensive tackle. But we're going to throw a hissy fit if we draft a kicker, as though that's not an unbelievably important aspect to a football team. A guy that's clutch to win the game with that fifty-two yard field goal. But no, we need to get some three hundred and thirty pound freaking flop fest come in and, and two-gap, and then we're going to convince each other that, no, he's really going to be a, uh, a really good pass rusher, and he's not going to do jack squat for nothing. He's going to get cut in four years. Who cares? Kicker, kicker, get a kicker. We need kickers, we need punters, we need returners, we need gunners, we need all that. It's very important. So I don't care. I'll be that guy. And, oh, yeah, you can get kickers on uh, and free agents. Yeah, and you can get a freaking quarterback, too. It doesn't mean they're going to be good at stuff. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hi, um, Craig. Hope you're doing well. I'm currently recovering from COVID. So, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, don't keep me in your prayers. Uh, but feeling okay. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about uh, the horror movies. I'm, I'm actually not a huge fan or a horror buff. 
but I've enjoyed the conversations. I was uh, talking to my daughter about that, um, and she kind of had an interesting take on the difference kind of between horror and thriller. Um, she, her mind was horror movies when someone's kind of pursuing you for maybe you don't know why or they have some vendetta, but they're kind of after you. Um, where a thriller is, you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, like Jaws or Jurassic Park or something like that. But I'm sure there are some flaws in kind of that definition. Um, but uh, I thought it was an interesting way to look at it and hadn't really heard that, I don't think, from any other yeah. um, callers. So you can shoot some holes through that or give your uh, opinion of that. Second, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to... Trying to think... <sighs> Trying to go through so so we talked about you know Jurassic Park would be wrong place wrong time I mean kind of um, what about Silence of the Lambs um, I don't think it would be necessarily either because nobody's pursuing anyone I mean the police are pursuing somebody but nobody's pursuing you so it wouldn't be horror um, the super psycho serial killer wasn't he he was trying to escape but he wasn't you know chasing or pursuing anyone but also i don't know about wrong place i mean it was it was the police were pursuing the bad guy so i don't know it would be interesting to kind of go through the movies and see where they would fit maybe there would need to be another category or two or something i don't know uh but yeah what else a pivot to uh the musical genre and i'm sure that's going to fall very flat with the demographics of this uh after dark but uh What's your favorite uh, musical movie? And then uh, is there a favorite musical uh, stage version that you like? So uh, I can I can give my two cents at some later time, oh, but uh, we'll see if this has any legs. I doubt it. But anyway, um, hope you're doing good. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. I was hoping you were going to give some kind of an example that I could try to piggyback off of. Musical movie. What would be a musical? Mo- I mean, I know I liked Annie when I was a kid. Oh, you know what I was obsessed with when I was a kid? Mary Poppins. Dude, spoonful of sugar. Loved Mary Poppins. I don't know if there are a ton that I watched recently. I mean, technically, a lot of the um, animated movies are that. Like Sing, obviously. Sing's not bad. Sing isn't terrible. They have a lot of music in there. A lot of actually, we talked about. There's not a lot of modern music in uh, in things. Sing has a lot of, I think, more modern songs. Although the the final grand finale, I think, was U2, right? That was the whole thing. Like, the, the big guy was a... Supposedly, that was like the band. It was like U2 songs and stuff, I think. I think that would probably be the closest I could get to it. And then as far as stage versions, I really have no idea. I know I've gone to a couple things with my grandparents, and I actually liked it as much as it would not be something that I would expect that I would like, like musicals and plays and stuff you know they've got like the fireside theater out here uh my grandma took me to that once and it was actually kind of oh i went with my school the one time because we read a book that i actually read which usually i don't actually read them um but i read it and i enjoyed it and i forgot what it was like the magic toll booth i think is what it was or something like that and then we went to the play i think at the fireside theater and watched it and i really liked it it's just it's just kind of a cool environment you know it's like kind of fancy you get dressed up a little bit the lights go down it's just kind of it's i don't know why it was it was enjoyable as much as that sounds really lame and i feel like i shouldn't admit that there was something kind of cool about i don't really have any desire to go although it would be something like i'd want to take my daughter to or something i think she would appreciate that i was going to do that and then i forgot i should do that i should go to the fireside theater and watch a play with her anyways um it's the best i got is sing the uh the cartoon thing 
Okay, third part and final uh, take on horror movies. Um, I don't watch them, never have, probably never will. I get my fill of violence and gruesome crime scenes working at night for the sheriff's department, so I'm not going to go there and uh, fill my mind up with more unnecessary stuff. Okay. But uh, I will have a, a suggestion for you for something that just came out on Netflix called Night Agent. Okay. It's kind of a mix between uh, Jack Ryan and House of Cards. So if you like either one of those, you might like this one. So Didn't watch just either. a suggestion. Um, so hopefully you have a great weekend. Uh, the weather's starting to look up. Uh, birds here are actually starting to sing, too. Uh, when train's not blowing a whistle. So, uh, just a few weeks out till the draft actually happens, and, uh, we are starting to ramp it up. So, uh, keep up the good work. I'm out. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think I've seen Night Agent, actually. I mean, not watched it, but it's one of those things every time I go on. It's actually, I just started a, a show for that exact reason. I go on there, and they keep, like, shoving it down my throat. Like, it's just always there. It's a uh, glitch, I think it's called. And they keep showing it to me, showing it to me. So far, it's not bad. I saw the first episode, right? I don't even think I finished it. But um, basically, it's people come back from the dead. And they're like, the show starts with like people climbing out of their graves. And it sounds like a, it's a horror, and maybe it'll become that, but it, it absolutely is not right now. It's just kind of a fascinating thing, because obviously people in cemeteries are from all different time periods. It's actually a really brilliant concept for either a TV show or a movie. We'll see how this turns out. But there's somebody that died recently that was like the cop's wife. Sorry, that's kind of a spoiler, but it happens in the first like half hour, so you'll figure it out. Plus, it's in like at the preview, so you could have seen that already. But then there's another guy who's like from the 1700s or whatever. There's like a statue of him. He's like, what the heck is this crazy? So some pretty cool uh, potential stuff in there, and we'll see how that all turns out. But it's kind of like a zombie movie, but they're just normal people, and they're just like, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of weird. But yeah, Night Agent's the same thing. Every time I go on there, I see it, and I, th I think about that. You know, there's a guy in that pose of, like, I've got a gun, and I'm going to break into this, you know, kick down this door or something. You know, that pose. It's not usually my style. I don't watch, like, the, the Jack Ryan-type stuff generally, but it's probably pretty good. I don't know. I'll check it out. Hey, Ryan. It is Brian from Connecticut. Hood up. Let's do one of the, the pods about uh, product. Uh, Excuse me. Prospects, I believe, 31 to 40 or 21, 31 to 40. Um, and I, I'm a little late to the game. I haven't listened to the pods as much and uh, been trying to catch up on all the, the different prospects out there. And I think one common theme that I'm hearing, you know, is from you and, and others, maybe I'm misinterpreting, but um, not a lot of high-end talent. Oh, Jesus, I almost felt somebody crashed into a bar. Anyways. Um, <laughs> what? And it's got me thinking, like, whether it be through the Rodgers trade or um, or possibly trading back, uh, you know, maybe try and stack up on picks for next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to the draft guide and and, um, you know, a lot of guys rank, uh, you know, low. And it's, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're the 30th or 40th or 50th ranked prospect, but, I mean, overwhelming and glaring holes in their game. Um, yeah. excuse me, nothing to really write home about, nothing exciting. Uh, and I, 
2024 class at all, other than a couple of the big names, uh, quarterbacks and receivers, but, uh, you know, potentially, um, stacked up for the, the future by drafting in the future and, and not this year. But wanted to get your thoughts on that. You obviously have a much better hold on the, uh, the prospects in this year, but, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, Besides trading back and accumulating picks, maybe have some of those accumulations be next year. Uh, all right, Ryan. Uh, look forward to hearing you say. Bye-bye. Yeah, so I, I think the only thing I really mean by that is it's not a great year to be picking top ten. Um, that that would be my my take on it. I don't. I'm not looking at really anybody in there. I mean, obviously, if you think you have a franchise quarterback and you need one, it's always worth top ten, but. Um, compared to what you generally find top five or, or so, I just, I'm not over the moon about any of those guys. Um, that doesn't mean though, that there isn't talent at 15. Uh, it's actually a, a decent time to be picking at 15. The only problem is if there's a bunch of top 15 prospects that go in the top 10, now you're picking like top 20 guys at 15. We'll see how the board falls, I guess. But, but I, I, that, that, doesn't mean, for example, that there isn't some good players and some good depth. So like you said, trading back could be a pretty good option if you think that there's nobody really worth where we're at. Um, if you can trade back and, for example, get another second round pick or something, that could be massively beneficial because you start looking at, you know, the, for example, edge rush class. There's just a ton of guys, you know. Uh, tight ends, there's obviously some pretty relatively high end as far as 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 tight ends go um which means you know first second round guys or whatever you late first early second round guys um so there's a lot of that kind of stuff but yeah otherwise i i really would have no issue going into 2024 and maybe that'll be a bad class too i don't know but i just i'm just not massively impressed and and even a lot of the guys that i like there's a lot of flags you know the the guy is he seems solid but he runs like a you know, he's a corner that runs like four, five, five, or something. It's like, yeah, I guess that's okay, but whatever. And he's kind of stiff. Or it's like he's a good cover guy, but he's five, ten, one hundred and seventy-eight pounds. Like, I, that's there's no way. You know, I mean, you just gotta like take half of these guys off your board. Even you know the wide receivers, I like him, but he's one hundred and eighty pounds. Or you know, I like that guy, but he he's slow. He's four, five, eight. Like I, you know. So I think it's going to be tough. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of trying to project which guys are going to be able to overcome their deficiencies, maybe even betting on some of the more unrefined guys that have tools because why not? It's better than guys that you know that they're, they can't get any higher. I mean, you're, you're not going to get any faster than what you're running. You're not going to get any taller than you are. So you look at some of these guys that have the tools and just don't know how to use it, and maybe that's kind of what you're reaching for is a lot of tools. You guys, the problem is there is you probably don't get a lot of contribution from this class and, and probably going to end up coming short quite a bit, although maybe a lot of other people are too. So, But it, but that all depends on what the Packers think. They may wildly disagree and say, no, there's plenty of top-end talent and there's a ton of depth, and that's why they're pushing so hard for picks for this year because they've got a ton of guys they love, and they want to capitalize on a great class on the off chance that next year's a bad class. I don't know what the Packers think. I, I just know, from me looking at it, I'm having a lot harder time finding guys that I really like than than usual. I mean, usually, I'm looking at the first round, and we're picking at 24, and I'm like, I got 20 guys I love. You know, can I get? Can I find four more? This year, it's not even close. As far as like that guy's a stud for sure. 
there's no way I could get to 20 this year. I don't think I could get to 15, to be honest. But hopefully just a bunch of quarterbacks go, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. That's not to say, again, I don't like them, but, you know, as far as, like, that that true top end, like, we got a stud if we can get this guy. Hello, caller number five. Hey. Uh, making some air fryer wings oh. at this moment. They're gonna- Massively underrated. We talk about grilling and sous vide and everything else. Air fryer wings? Jeez, that's good. It'd be delicious. But uh, wanted to clear something up about the Wagyu. It was not all-you-can-eat Wagyu. It was yeah. all-you-can-eat-everything else. That's uh, what I figured. It was a limit, one per person on that other stuff, or we would have shut down that right. business because we ate a dangerous Thousands of dollars. Uh, but I had, a, I had a kind of interesting thought when you were uh, when I was listening to the pod earlier. You were talking about the robots, as you do, and I was just thinking, uh, wouldn't it be cool to feed a robot um, I don't know which one would make the most sense, and uh, you'd probably have to have your own spinoff or whatever to be able to feed it your own data, but if you could feed it traits of college players at a yeah. given position who then succeeded in the NFL, and it could spit you out a big board. If you think I haven't tried, <laughs> you'd be very wrong. Um, and it's it's frustrating, too, because you can talk to the robot and be like, hey, would this be possible and they're like, oh, for sure. And then they make it seem real easy. Like, yeah, it's just seven steps. I'm like, are you freaking serious? And then I will spend days trying to execute those seven steps, and I can't do it. So if you're smarter than I am and are better with computers, you probably because Because that's the other thing is you start getting into coding, and it can help you with that for sure. But I'm just going completely blind. And if something goes wrong, it's like, I don't, I, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like copy and pasting things. I don't know what that is. I don't know any. So I'm lost because I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know Python. Like, I, I've, I don't know any. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's like at one point they were like, oh, so then you just got to go in. I'm like, why do you keep talking about my computer? Apparently, I'm supposed to download this onto my computer and do all. So it's a it's a whole thing. Plus, where, where do you get the data from? You know, you, some of that stuff, you got to use Python to like, you know, scrape data from websites because they don't have an API or whatever. And, you know, technically you could use an Excel sheet as a database if you wanted to get all the data, but then you got to train it on what all these things mean. And I don't know how to train the stuff. So it's like, this is a massive undertaking, but then you also understand the benefit of it. And so, you know, and again, me being me, it's like, no, we're doing this because this is, this would be huge. Like this would be the biggest thing. And then I can't do it. And then I get frustrated. And then I realize I've wasted, I don't know how much time doing this, but uh yes i will say that it has crossed my mind for example like if you feed if you choose a position wide receiver yep. and you feed it um in college jamar chase and uh justin jefferson and blah 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 had these stats and this is based on and you you could do thousands of players right you can do hundreds of players i don't know how many but based on this production in college they translated well into the nfl and I'm assuming teams are already thinking about this because if you're not, you're going to get left behind. But I think it would be really interesting once we're allowed to use our own data on these things to feed it some data and then see what it spits out as a big board compared to what the experts spit out, right? And then you could also account for, like, because um, a lot of the times you'll hear, oh, intangibles are going to be hard to figure. You could probably add an intangible um like qualifier number in there and the higher that number the more uh the more the 
the more that the robot should like the prospect. That would introduce some bias, of course, but just super interesting idea of it spitting out a big board. Um, curious to, to know what you think about that and to see if you, if you think it'll change the game of oh, yeah. scouting in uh, the next few years, because I do. So, yeah, anyway, we'll go yeah. on. So this stuff is kind of already out there, and it's it's crazy because as they develop a new thing, people can kind of take it to the next level. So so they've already gotten – there's a couple different things that I'm seeing that are happening. Number one is creating databases, which is what I was trying to do before, and then somebody obviously it's, – it's not necessarily that they figured out that you can do it. It's, it's finding, like, actual – I don't know what you would call it, but like an, an official way to do it. But it's creating a database of information to train it on and then use that. But then beyond that is, is I think, as I've mentioned, they have these, um, I keep forgetting the word for it, but um, rather than it doing one thing, it's a continuous chain of things. So you ask it to do something and then it'll create, for example, a list for itself to do to go execute and then it starts executing those things and then creating new tasks lists and continuing down this path until it has like this fully fleshed out thing. So you combine those two things together, like I said, with the data and then tell it to, you know, learn it and, and develop these things. So these things are kind of in the works, but it's still a little bit. But that, that's the other thing. As people really get into it, what they do is they simplify things, which is exactly what they've done, for example, with the databases, whereas before you had to learn a lot of stuff. Now it's like they've created these models where you can kind of go in and, and you only need to learn a little bit of code. And you can just put in like these lines here of, of data and it'll it'll work from there rather than the more clunky way that it used to be done. But people are jumping on this in massive waves and i can't even keep up with all the new stuff that's that's happening but the point is it's happening much more rapidly and and it's becoming much more accessible and it's becoming much easier to where you know as like i said right now i would have to either learn python or get the robot to do step by step which of course is going to be a problem along the way and then we're going to get stuck but in the future you won't need that and even like some of the ideas i've had i'm trying to do it and then all of a sudden somebody comes up with a way of course they have a business so you got to pay for it which i'm not going to do but the, the, the fact that people are already doing this, like, for example, one of the first things when this robot came out that I wanted to do was to be able to upload my own information. For example, I've got like this giant PDF of this uh, like diet and workout thing from Mike Matthews, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, fantastic thing as far as like data and science and all that. And all I want to do is you upload it and then the robot will be able to, you know, so you can be like, okay, give me some data on this or whatever. It never seems to work. But the point is some, a bunch of people, like there's dozens of them now where you can upload PDFs or data to the robot and then it'll do that. You've got other ones where you can, uh, give it a URL and it will learn the website. Now it's just that one page, but it's not going to be very much longer before you can upload, for example, um, there's like a really, I forget, oh, uh, amazingribs.com, phenomenal resource for, for barbecue and grilling. How amazing would it be if I could put amazingribs.com and it learns every single one of those pages? There's got to be thousands of them. And then I have the ultimate grilling guide. So it's amazing ribs, but you can talk to it and be like, hey, I want to do ribs and I've got this, thing. like, what could I do? And it's just, it, it, it can communicate with you and it can tell you the science behind it. It can do all these different things. It can tell you how to trim it, how to do all this stuff, anything you want to know, because it learned from that. And you've got your own personal, and even if you didn't want to do, because I've, this is 
See, I'm, I'm down the rabbit hole. You can create whatever kind of robot you want. Like, you, you can, if you have, like, a bunch of different PDF, which, by the way, if you're buying books, start buying PDFs because you can turn things, these things into robots. But let's say, like, you, you, let's say they're, for example, Christian. I went online and I found a bunch of, you know, really, if you find really old books, everything's free. I found, like, hundreds of PDFs of, like, Puritan writings. Think about if you could upload thousands of, of right, not, not you got Puritan writings, but then you've got uh, sermons, all these sermons that were done from you know Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, John Calvin, thousands and thousands. And if you could put them in there and turn that into a robot, could you imagine what that thing could do? If you were a Christian and wanted to interact with it, if you had any questions, it would be the most brilliant theologian of all time in your living room or wherever you wanted it to be, to just talk to you and tell you whatever you wanted. And you could do that with anything. Anything in the world. It's crazy. I'm excited. But we're just kind of in the beginning stages where nothing really works. Like, I tried that. I downloaded, like, 20 different PDFs. I tried to upload them, and they're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, all right, well, you're an idiot. The robots are a little bit dumb, but it's not going to be very long before they start to get very, very smart, and you're going to have a lot of stuff at your fingertips and be able to do a lot of different amazing, amazing, freaking amazing things. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. We got Nate, Adam, and about 60 different cheese ballins. He uh, fired up about something. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Um, I just had a thought while I was sitting here at work. Um, it's a little scary, actually. So I know it kind of seems like we're all out on a running back in the earlier rounds, which uh, I generally agree with. But here's the thing. I kind of didn't realize um, that uh, we were only going to actually have Aaron Jones under contract next year. I believe AJ Dillon's going to be a free agent, correct? Yeah. And are we really going to pay two running backs? Like we already, we already probably shouldn't have paid one. And I know you took a pay cut, but he's still on the high end for running backs. Are we going to have two high-paid running backs on the same team, a non-premium position? 
I, I don't know. Um, you know, this might be one of those times where we're like, hey, maybe another maybe another second round or, God forbid, a third round swing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what round do we take somebody to replace A.J. Dillon if we're not going to keep him? And uh, I, I'm usually in the party of, you know, you don't not going to pay one running back, let alone pay two running backs at the same time. I don't know. Uh, just a scary thought that we we might be losing one of these guys, and I like both Aaron and I and I like uh, Dylan too. I like them both. So uh, let me know your thoughts on what you think. Are we are we going to pay those guys, or are we taking somebody maybe in the third round, like a Ty J Spears, my guy, or do we take a take a swing at a higher round guy? I don't know. Go Paco. Yeah, I think it's a fair thought. Um, just like you said, based on the timeline. Um, if, if let's put it this way, if we did select um, Bijan, let's just say in the first round, it would make me start to wonder about AJ Dillon because it's a pretty big swing. Um, now, obviously, Aaron Jones is going to be gone at some point, but that that to me is sort of we're not going to pay AJ Dillon, and Aaron Jones will be gone, and so we'll have Bijan, and then you know we'll get another guy at some point or whatever. It would be that kind of a thing. As far as paying guys, though, I, I think that it is possible that we end up paying both for one reason. First of all, it's only going to be for about a year, right, when we're going to be paying both. The first year of A.J. Dillon's contract is going to be cheap, so we're not going to have two high-price cap hits in, in one year. It'll be a low cap hit for Dillon, and then the year at so so next year it'll be high for Jones, low for Dylan, and then after that Dylan's will go up, and Aaron Jones will probably be gone. But even beyond that, as far as having two at high average per year guys, I think because we have such a low cost at tight end and wide receiver, when you look at the total weapon expenditure, the Packers are extremely low, even with two high running backs. So I think you could use that to sort of justify paying. Uh, it's almost a positive in a way because if you're not paying running backs, tight ends. Or wide receivers, it just it just kind of looks bad. So, um, I think either would make sense. You know, you, you need to start investing in in running back, especially if you're not 100 percent sure about Dylan. Or, like you said, maybe you just don't want to pay him. You know, they're they're somewhat, I guess, expendable. Um, and so, yeah, you, you you could go that route. Or if you wanted to pay him, I think you could do that too. But we will see what direction they go. I guess when uh, when the draft rolls around. Adam from Eau Claire. Hey. My connection might be bad on my drive home today. It's usually why I don't call in, but I'm no longer a new caller, so we're right in line. Right. Got a question for Pack after after that. Dark, hmm. do we draft a kicker this year? There we go. We've drafted a punter. We've drafted a long snapper. We don't know about Mason Crosby. Maybe if he stays on the team, we still draft a kicker because we need to find the next thing, and Goop doesn't like being hot with his hands between his pants. Right. So, how early could a kicker go off the board in this year's draft? And do you think we'll draft a kicker? I have no idea if there's any good ones coming out or if there's anyone worth drafting, but I figure that didn't pack a night after dark and probably isn't a full section on your uh, consensus big board. You know, probably won't get far enough down to kickers. So, let me know what you think. See you, Ryan. Yeah, that's a good point as far as, like, you know, actually looking at guys. I doubt I'll ever get that far. But as I said, probably about the fifth round. Uh, if we look at PFF here, since we'll, we'll get a little bit more in-depth since it's the second question, Jake Moody, uh, as far as field goals are concerned, is uh, the fourth highest graded uh, kicker. This is out of Lord knows how many. 
probably 200 or so. But uh, perfect on extra points, 100%, 60 out of 60, which is ridiculously high. Uh, If you look at all the guys that are at 100%, not a lot at 60. I'm trying to see if anybody is at 60. Very, very few. Field goals, though, actually 82.9% is actually not very high. 29 out of 35. He was 9 of 10 from uh, the 20 to 29, uh, right? Yeah, so 90%. 10 of 10 from 30 yards, 7 of 8 from 40 to 49 yards. He was only 3 of 7 from 50, though. That's kind of terrible, isn't it? Why is, why is he so highly regarded? 3 of 7 is trash. I'm sorry. That, I mean, that's like one of the lowest <laughs> on this. I don't think I like Jake Moody. Is that kind of a fluke? Did he do better before? Um, he's 4 of 10 in his career from 50. That's terrible. See, the next highest graded guy is Chad Ryland. He's only 50%. What about Andre Sismit? I don't even see him on here. BT Potter is 2 of 4, so 50%. I don't know. I don't know. I struggle with a guy that's uh, really not good from 50. Field goals in general, he's not super great at. He probably made one from like 70 or something. That's why everybody's freaking out. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think it's entirely... I mean, kickers are coming in. It's just a question of whether or not we're going to do it prior to the draft concluding and then just going all out in the undrafted free agent range. Obviously, we have a billion seventh-round picks. That would be uh, an obvious area to start doing that. All right, cheese balling. let's do this, man. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? I'm Good. as well, cheese balling here. Um, just responding to some of your responses. Uh Let's see, the first one is the um, contending part. Um, uh, somebody said, like, uh, before, you said, we have, we need to listen what dude is saying. Like, let him be the assessor. And it's like, the, it's like we he, every GM is going to be their sales pitch. They're always going to give you, oh, yeah, we're contending. We all know that, right? And you're letting good things for you. It's like we all can see things. We all see the team that produced things last year and, we can think for ourselves. We don't need to do that. Because he's just going to do a sales pitch. Well, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to, but I, what I was talking about was the team's perception, not my perception based on what Gutekunst said. It's the team's perception, it's in, and it's not anything Gutekunst said publicly. It's, it's something that I heard through the grapevine that the Packers believe that they're contending. And again, that may not be the case, I'm just telling you that that's a potential thing that the Packers may believe that they're contending. Maybe they're not. And like you said, you you have your own mind and you can see whatever you want to see. And if you think we're not contending, we're not contending. I don't know if we're contending. In fact, the whole point of that was that I was surprised and hadn't even considered it. I mean, that that was the whole point of when this conversation began was the fact that I thought I'd, I'd never even considered that somebody, that maybe we would be contending but that is sort of the rumors where that came from this is not i'm saying that we're contending because gutekunst says so and everything he says is is law which is fine you you can't have good telling uh, you know his quarterback yeah we're not really confused what is that going to tell his psyche so, and again this is not a public comment or anything he said to jordan love but yeah you're right it, obviously he would com- if it was a public thing he would communicate that they're contending that is true we have to be able to think for ourselves. And the re- what what I'm defining as Super Bowl, maybe you're just 
we're read, you know, having different definitions. I'm not saying we're going to be terrible. Like, you, you kind of do this all or nothing thing. Well, if we're not Super Bowl, what do you say we're horrible? There's a huge gap between oh, Super Bowl uh, contending and horrible. I'm not saying we're going to be horrible. I just said not Super Bowl contending, which I'm saying we're going to be a top team in our uh, conference. I think we can be easily a uh, eight and eight, nine and seven, or whatever the that comes out to kind of team. So it's not like I'm saying we're going to be horrible. I mean, it, it, again, I I don't think I said that, but it is kind of a slim margin, right? Because if we're not contending, that means we are not going to get into the playoffs. And there aren't too many teams that you can look at to say they are not going to be a playoff team, but they are also not going to be terrible. So we're, we're, I mean, we're only talking about like a nine-ish win team because when you drift down into like six, you're bad, right? So it's like seven, eight, nine win, and even nine is potentially playoffs. So it's like seven wins or something. I think I have a crying baby outside my door. So as usual, you're responding to something and I'm not entirely sure what the thing is that I said that, that you're responding to. Almost need you to like record clips of what I'm saying and then play it back to me so I can remember. But again, I, I don't... I understand that there's a difference between contending and, and being bad, but at the same time, it's not that big of a difference between not contending and being a bad football team. And I base that off of, um, you know, just looking at what we were in 2021, we, there was so many other factors that played into it because all the other kind of teams weren't doing so great. The, um, the Tampa Bay didn't, wasn't doing so well. Um, the uh, Rams were not as good, but they were still kind of, you know, pretty good that year. And then the Kansas City Chiefs weren't doing good. Bills weren't doing good. Like, everything was aligning for us. But now, the next year, like, those, all those teams are, like, killing it. So, uh, that's what I look at. And you have the Eagles now, too, which we didn't have in 2021. So, I just, I think that 2021 was our year. Um, so, I just, I, I see those sort of years differently between 2021 and now, because now we lost Rodgers. And even though he didn't have the greatest year, he still had a really good PFF grade. So uh, if Love were to get that this coming year, that would be a win. So, um, yeah, I just I just think the competition is just way better. And um, Well, it might be. I mean, it went from 21 being bad or, you know, 2021 from being bad to suddenly being good. Who knows what next year is going to be. I mean, we, we always go into next year assuming it's going to be identical to last year, and I don't know why, because every year it continues to just rat, radically and rapidly change, right? For all we know, a bunch of NFC teams are going to just pop up and be dominant when we thought, you know, because that always happens with strength of schedule. Oh, they got this easy schedule, so we, and it's never easy. And the teams that we think are going to be easy end up being great. The team, you know, so, I mean, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes, but I have I have no idea how things are going to play out. We may have a really easy schedule. I mean, we're supposed to because, you know, we were, what, third, fourth in the division? I don't even know. But that may not pan out because we don't know who's going to be good and who's not. Yeah, that that's that's the main thing. And, and in terms of the um, San Francisco team, they were loaded. Like, if you go back and look, they had, like, a, a top-end safety in the top six. They had a 24 and 34 ranked safety. And then... They, uh... Which year are we talking about? Last year? I mean, they they've got good players. They've but they've also got holes, just like everybody else, right? I mean, 
for example, Debo Samuel, I mean, if we're just going off P- PFF grades, went backwards um, quite a bit. You know, so they, their quarterback is is fine, but not great. Uh, really good running back in Christian McCaffrey, who they acquired. Two good, not great wide receivers. Uh, again, everyone's going to throw a fit about that. 74 grade and 78 grade. Brandon Ayuk was actually higher. Kittle, obviously, is very good. And then the offensive line, you got Trent Williams, who's fantastic. You got the right tackle, McGlinchey, who's not actually super great. They actually just got rid of him. The guards are abysmal. The center is mediocre. And then fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who everyone assumes is just elite, took a massive step back. He had a 62 grade. Then on defense, their top three defensive tackles are absolutely horrific. Eric Armstead, 63. Kevin Givens had a 45 grade. Kerry Hyder had a 52 grade. Edge rushers, obviously, Bosa's fantastic, but that's it. Uh, Ibukam had a 63 grade. Omenahu had a 69 grade. Linebackers, Fred Warner is fantastic. Dre Greenlaw was also very good. Corners, Charvarius Ward had a really high grade. Dion, uh, whatever, Lenoir, 61 grade. So they had one corner and one not-so-good corner. And then their top two safeties, 69 grade and 72 grade. So they had elite, good, mediocre, terrible, right? And again, I go back to 20 or whatever. Number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Number one tackle, uh, Bakhtiari. Number one quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Number one corner was Jair. Number one, uh, you know, top five safety and number one linebacker and blah, 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 blah. Top five, like two top five running backs, right? We, I mean, we've, we've had that as well. And by the way, that's, that's an important point because again cheese balling and i think a lot of other people look at it and say the 2022 team is emblematic of how bad the team is right aaron Rodgers takes a slight step back and look how bad the team gets but the reason i don't buy that is other number ones Devonte, i think is the only one that's gone correct everybody else is still here look at the team yeah see they're not very good aside from rogers that's silly by the way this is me continuing the podcast from yesterday sorry i did not get this up yesterday Long story short, my computer ended up getting unplugged. It was already after 10, and I said, I'm going to bed. So, my bad. Hey, Ryan. She's balling again. Hey. Just, uh, responding to the, uh, um, the trade deadline sort of stuff. Um, uh, you said that the Packers would be getting a lose-lose if they gave in to the Jets. Lose, lose if they give in to the Jets. Um. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. But that's in terms of getting a deal done before the draft, and it's not, that wouldn't be a lose, lose because they would be getting picks this year, which is what they want. Like that. The that's a that's a that, that's what they want. So yeah. But what what do they want? Do they want a seventh this year? You know what I mean? I mean, I I, I think that was. I'm guessing that was the distinction I was making. What they want is, let's say, a first or a second or something, right? I mean, look, if, if if the Jets are willing to give what they want, then they would do it. The point is they're not willing to give what they want. So, you know, I, I know they, they said they're not hung up on 13, but let's just pretend that they are. If that's what they're hung up on, in other words, we want 13 this year because we have somebody specifically in mind, and... The Jets are like, no, we'll give you a second this year and a second next year. And they're like, no, that's not, that's not good enough. Um, they're not offering what the Packers want because they're not 
again, you're, you're assuming that what they want is, is just picks this year. And maybe that is all they want. All they care about is I don't really care the value. I just want the picks. But again, I think if that was the case, they would have done the deal. Um, it's, it's a question of value this year, not just picks this year. They would be getting a win-lose because they would be getting picks now, but they would have to acquiesce to the rounds that the Jets want. Yeah. So if no one budges in any middle ground, the it, it's win-lose for both teams, but it's more so a loss for the Packers because they want picks this year. Yeah, if if that's the the again, we're we're assuming what they want. If if they're hell because I know that is that is the report. I don't know. I, again, I don't know what they want. Um, and if they are just absolutely desperate for as many picks this year as they can get to pack it around Jordan Love, then yeah, then then they are um, they need to get something done. Uh, but again, I, I think the uh, the Jets need to get something done as well for a lot of reasons. But yeah, win win lose, I guess would make sense because they want it. I mean, everybody wants to get it done. They just nobody's getting the value that they want. The Jets are like, well, if we meet in the middle and and work out a deal before the draft, well, sh- you know, sure we don't have to give up the rounds, but then we lose out another pick this year, which. Sure, we could use to help Rogers out. So yeah. they, they don't. It, it's not like it's an all or nothing. It's the end of the road for them. They're screwed if they get a deal done after, because well, they're like, hey, we'd much rather send a pick in 2025 when Rogers probably gone. So yeah, we're good with that. They're probably more kicking their feet up about having a deal done, <clears throat> no matter. Before or after, whereas the Packers want to give them before more than the than the uh, Jets do, because well, and that was a, a point that I had brought up potentially in terms of why the Jets are going radio silent is the possibility that they're willing to pay more value after the draft if it means, in other words, it's not the Packers that are desperate for picks this year as much as it is the Jets because they really want to pack picks around Aaron Rodgers, and so they're just going to go radio silent, not say anything let the draft kind of pass and then yeah they're going to have to pay more overall value in future picks but they're willing to do that because then they're stacking up around rogers as a possibility again i don't know what's going on i'm just fleshing out potential ideas based on what might be happening right if the packers are desperate then this if the jets are desperate then this i don't know the scenario they they, they don't really care either way okay we'll have to act we have to your rounds but so what well We'll give you a pick for 2025 then, right. which, oh, okay, who cares? You know, so it seems to be the Packers more want picks this year. So that, what I would say is more in the favor of the Jets. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, when when I was saying shooting themselves in the foot, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth, but I was, I was, you, you were saying that if the Packers are not going to budge, then, um, then the, 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 you know, the Jets need to sort of acquiesce to get a deal done before they don't have any leverage, which isn't the... And again, this is all based on hypotheticals, right? And it was a hypothetical that you had brought up. Again, I don't know, but you had brought up initially the conversation that the Packers have all the leverage, or the Jets have all the leverage now, but the Packers will have all the leverage later. So all I was essentially saying is in that scenario... The Jets would be inclined to get something done now 
because afterwards they lose leverage. But again, like you said, maybe they're okay with that because the leverage just ends up uh, meaning that the Packers end up getting more value and the Jets are fine giving up more value because what they really want is picks now. Okay, you know, and, and, and again, the only real pain point would be the Packers if they are the ones that are, it, in other words, it's not a value thing. So I, I, I guess... And I will agree with you because I, th- I feel like we're agreeing, but I don't know. But again, this is a hypothetical that I have really no idea if this is the situation. If both teams are less interested in value as they are in terms of getting picks this year, then it's entirely in the Jets' favor. But it's not really even a leverage thing because the Jets are just not going to do a deal, right? I mean, yes, they have the leverage, but it doesn't really matter because they're not going to do a deal. And so the the Packers, I don't think, are necess- necessarily more inclined. I mean, maybe, may, again, there's so many maybes, right? Um, how much more do you care about picks this year than value? I don't think it's true that the Packers are massively inclined to take picks this year because, they again, they could have gotten a deal done. So it's it's a combination of picks now and value. And so, again, the, the Jets would have the leverage, but they're essentially just going to use the leverage that they have to just not make a deal. And so, it, again, if that's the case, then it's not even a question of leverage. It's just a question of we know how this is going to play out. Essentially, what's going to happen is the Jets will not do a deal, at least until they're willing to to, to deal, right? So we're not giving you first-round picks or second-round picks. We will start picking up the phone after the second round, and we will negotiate potentially third-round picks and or later, you know, later, whatever. If you like, in other words, if you want a third thrown in, fine. Otherwise, we'll just talk after the draft. And the Packers may just say, nah, that's stupid. Let's just talk after the draft and we'll have a little conversation about how much you owe me now because I'm kind of pissed off. And the Jets will have to take their medicine a little bit and try to do a deal that's, but, but again, they're fine with that because it wasn't a value thing. It was always a, a picks thing. And for the Packers, it was also a picks thing. So, in other words, it's not just picks in 2023. It's, early picks and like first second round picks those are what we're fighting over and you're either giving them to me or you're not so again in that scenario i feel like we are in somewhat of agreement that the the jets are in complete control but they're only going to use that control to get what they want and what they want is the picks which means the deal isn't getting done it's not about we're going to get the leverage we want because the packers are just going to say no to whatever ridiculous you know i'll give you a third this year and a second next no screw you you kidding me you know, it's not like they're, the end of the world is happening if they don't get it done till after. But it sounds like you're saying, well, if they're not going to budge, that means, well, then the judges have to acquiesce to what the Packers saying if you're saying they're just not going to budge. That's what I was kind of... Well, no, I mean, I, again, it's just a question of the, the leverage thing that you brought up. If If it's about, you know, I'm trying to maximize the value that I have with the leverage... You still would need to try to get it done now because afterwards the Packers get the leverage and then the value swings in their favor. That was really all I was saying, but but that's a value thing and not, I guess, so much a, you know, 2023, 2024, 2025 picks thing. So that's another part of this equation, I guess. And Trippie is saying then, oh, well then they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot and give them what they want before the draft. But I didn't mean to do that. But in terms of um, you... Uh, are putting words in my mouth. You've done that multiple times when I've been arguing for things. Um, when I was talking about trade deadline deals, running out of time. Um, you, you basically uh, didn't focus on the trade deadline. Next up, hey, geez, ball in here, continuing the uh, last call. Um, the uh, the pick or no? What was I? Um, 
oh, putting words in my mouth. Like when I was in uh, arguing with you on Twitter, you, you you were putting words in my mouth multiple times. Like I was trying to say, hey, um, the trade de- trade deadline deals you have to that you have to give picks. You can't just give money. Like it's it's picks. But instead, you were swiveling to oh, I gotta protect, I gotta, do, I gotta protect you. And so you were like, there you go. Who's putting words in whose mouth? Well, the Rams were 32 in spending. I wasn't, I had not, I wasn't bringing up spending. I was bringing up a specific thing. You had to swivel, and then you sort of put words in my mouth. And it was like, no, because it's, again, there's, there's a larger conversation going on in terms of the GM not doing what is required. And I'm trying to get to the understanding of what exactly is he supposed to do. And so I'm pointing out a lot of different things. I don't know what you haven't brought up, what point you were bringing up in terms of money. I have no idea. But there is a larger issue in terms of bringing up examples of people doing what fans always are seeming to want, and it's not working. And so I'm bringing up as many examples as I can. I don't know exactly what specific thing you want to talk about. We can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. But again, the, the, the point is, this is my issue with a lot of people that are, and I've mentioned this a thousand times, my issue isn't about defending Gutekunst because I was a big Ted Thompson fan until I got to the point where I wasn't a Ted Thompson fan. And that essentially got to the point when the picks just were not coming through anymore. I don't have a reason to dislike Gutekunst because he's not doing anything that I necessarily dislike. And there are some things that I dislike, and I again, you wanted me to list them all out for you, which again, now now we're getting a little ridiculous when I now have to acquiesce to you to to list out everything in order to get your approval. Like I'm not I'm not doing that, dude. I gave you one example, and then you're like, okay, keep listing. It's like I'm I'm sorry. Now we're getting into crazy town. There are multiple picks. There are multiple free agent acquisitions. There are contracts. I've complained constantly about pushing money out. I'm not a fan of that, and it didn't work. But the point, the, the larger point here is every time somebody attacks Brian Gutekunst, for the most part, I think I tend to agree with the, the attacks on Brian Gutekunst from people that support Brian Gutekunst more than the people that don't, because the people that don't, I think, have wild expectations. And the point is, if you apply that anywhere else, you don't get Super Bowl wins. Well, he should have done this. Well, okay, let's look at teams that do this strategy that you think is so important. Or the fact that he did do it, he just didn't do it the way you want to do it. I mean, the, every single complaint that I've heard does not live up to anything that I would consider to be rational, generally. And even if it's a correct critique, so what? Do you think another GM is going to come in here and not have any of these kinds of issues? And so all I'm really hearing is, we didn't win the Super Bowl. I choose to blame Brian Gutekunst. I can't really adequately back that up. Again, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. I'm trying to get you to understand my perspective on it. I can't really back that up, aside from saying here are 7, 8, 9, 10 things that he did wrong. But again, you're not understanding the context. Every single one of the 32 GMs has these 7, 8, 9, 10 things. So yes, I'll bring up bad draft picks from other GMs. I'll bring up high spending from other GMs that didn't work. I'll bring up all these different all-in strategies because people love to bring up all-in without being specific. So I'll say, okay, here's an example of all-in that didn't work. Here's an example of all-in that didn't work. Here's an example of all-in that didn't work. You talk about OBJ coming into a team. Okay, here's a bunch of free agents that went somewhere that didn't work. Here's a free agent. You know, you want to talk about one guy because we want to cherry-pick the team that won and then say, well, that team won and they acquired this player, so I'm going to tie those two things together and, and make it seem like that's a thing. Okay, so I'm bringing up example. Okay, what about this acquisition, this acquisition? That didn't win team Super Bowls. We can't start from now and work backwards. That's not going to work. 
Because if that's the case, then you have to tell me the thing that happened, and I'm going to apply it to other teams in the past and see if it worked, and the answer is going to be no. So I'm just trying to provide examples of all the nonsense that's being said and how if you apply it, it doesn't actually work. It's just you giving one example. So again, I don't know specifically what you were talking about with spending. Maybe you'll mention it. I don't know. But I'm not. I'm certainly not putting words in your mouth. I'm providing an example. And if that example does not really negate your argument because that's not what you're talking about, fine. But but again, I'm not. Tr- I'm not. I'm certainly not trying to put in any words in your mouth. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding. That's not what I'm talking about. And then I, I wasn't talking about free agent spending. And they're like, oh, oh, then uh, then uh, free agent isn't a big uh, deal. So that doesn't mean anything. Glad, glad to know that. And I was like, I wasn't saying free agent spending has no relevancy. Okay, but but if it does, then why are you running away from it? Don't just say, well, that's not what I'm talking. Why don't you address it? That's that's the point. It's like. Here's an example of exactly what you're talking, because you were talking about Odell Beckham. So I provided that, and you're like, well, I'm not talking about that. Oh, so it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. I'm just not talking about it right now. <laughs> okay, whatever. So so tell me what you're talking about so we can address that now. That's the other thing that drives me nuts is this constant, like, it's this drive-by stuff. Here's an example of where he failed. Okay, let me show you how everybody fails in that area. Well, here's an example. No, 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 no. Let's stay here and address it. Stay over here. Right? So, okay, so you don't want to talk about this. Let's talk about something else then. Right, so you kept putting words in my mouth because you didn't want to recognize that Goo has a weak spot. What is it? That he doesn't do these trade deadline deals. See, and and this is trade. So there's a lot of issues here, Right. Number one, you're not providing any context in terms of what trade should be done. And then I brought an example of a trade to you, and you said, well, that doesn't count. You said he needs to do a better job of using the trade deadline to fix holes. And I said, okay, what does uh, what about Whitney Merciless? Well, that doesn't count because there was an injury. Well, what's an injury? It's a hole in the roster. The entire point is, is there an area that needs to be addressed? We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of resources. So we're not just going to be swinging wildly at every name that's out there. And suddenly a hole arise, and it was a massive hole that was going to cost us to prevent us from being contenders. And he patched it. And you're saying, well, that doesn't count. I think that's insane. And I think it's unfair. And I think you're running away from it. But you're also not providing any, any additional context. And the other thing that I don't like is this assumption that he sees value and just refuses to do something. No, the issue is he disagrees with you. You just assume if we go get some big-name person, that's going to make everything better. Brian Gutekunst has assessed the issue and has said that is not worth the value that I'd have to give up for that person to get the job done. Again, here, here is the... And you can disagree with this if you want. That's fine. But I don't see it as a weak spot. I don't. And you, had, you would have to be the one to prove it since you're the one that's bringing up the issue. And again, you can bring up Odell Beckham all you want. Congratulations to the Rams for getting that right one time. Again, this is where I provide lots of context of teams that that do this and fail. But the point that I think you're largely disagreeing with and therefore choosing not to even acknowledge it is that the team was built prior to the draft. This is your football team. Then you draft a bunch of players that are maybe going to help a little bit this year, but they're primarily for the future. After that, the team is set, and it's entirely up to the coaches and the players to come together and get this thing figured out. Then we have a little bit of a nest egg of money. Not very much at all. 
There's a constant cycling of players. He's constantly bringing in guys. They're mostly low-end guys to try to round out the roster. Some of these guys pan out to be really good contributors, some of them special teamers, whatever. That's constantly happening. But this, as far as making big trades, that's only when we drop out of contention. Something happened that is massive that suddenly we can't contend anymore. And losing a pass rusher is that thing. So if you want to understand his philosophy, that's it. This is our team. This is the team that's good enough to win, which is correct. And that's what I've been trying to tell you a thousand times, but you just refuse to acknowledge it because you're saying we're not good enough, which again, I think is just a major point of disagreement between you and I. We are good enough. He has built a good enough team. It's up to these guys to get it done. And then when we lose a pass rusher, suddenly we're not good enough anymore. And he immediately springs into action. You bring, And he doesn't just bring in a guy that's a failure. He brought in the perfect piece who came in and was a really good contributor. He ended up getting hurt, but fantastic piece. And that's the other issue. They actually have to pan out. You can't just grab somebody, plug them in, and assume, oh, we're so much better now. Multiple times we've seen that's not the case. And so, yeah, he can just swing wildly, and then we lose all our money, and then when a pass rusher goes out with injury, we can't do anything about it because we now have no money because immediately, start of the season, we're just adding all the pieces until we have no money left. That's not how he operates. I don't think that's how most GMs operate. You keep a nest egg, And then when an injury arises, you go ahead and fill it. In fact, that's kind of a common thing that's known as far as like some of these guys that are holding out for money, like Odell Beckham. A lot of them will hold out and wait until there is a injury because that's when teams will spring into action and go out and actually pay the money that these guys are requesting. So I understand what you want. You want him to just go spend, spend, spend on whatever. But that's not what's going to happen. The team is what the team is. And you can call that a weak spot or a blind spot, but I would disagree. And it's not because I'm just blindly defending Goot. I agree with that philosophy. And I know for some reason that's impossible for you to recognize that I'm doing it simply because I'm a bootlicker, which, by the way, is is a ridiculous notion because it essentially means every rational human being would agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, then you're clearly being irrational because you're obsessed with this person, which is not a good place to be for to come from because it's not a very open-minded position. It means that there's only one position that's correct in its mind and everybody else is a, is a bootlicking sociopath. I agree with that position as far as the philosophy of team building, especially again, when you look at a team that's as good as the Green Bay Packers have been. Yes, he can sit back and say, I gave you your freaking team. Now go win football games. I will try to patch up some issues if there are some major issues. Otherwise, this is on you. And to sit back and nitpick about, well, you could have technically gotten this wide receiver or you could have gotten this guard or something, this, that or the other. Which, again, very rarely does anybody ever bring forth a name. Who's the player? What's the person? And the fact of the matter is a lot of people like to bring up names beforehand. And then when those guys go on to fail, then we ignore it. We talk about the one that succeeded and say, Gutekunst didn't get that one. There's another example of him failing. But we ignore the 19 other players that everybody was screaming for that went on to completely fail and contribute nothing to those teams. And I find that to be disingenuous and dishonest. So, again, we can pretend to have this conversation, and and this is fine. We can go back and forth on this. We just genuinely disagree on philosophies of how team building works and how to win football games. That's fine. But I think a more constructive thing to do would be when the season starts, you very specifically tell me which players need to come to this team, and then we can analyze whether or not your philosophy is a good philosophy or not. And if you can't do that or won't do that, then I don't find this to be a constructive conversation. It's a common thing. All these other teams are doing it. No, they're not. No, see, and again, we're getting into hyperbole. Not all these other teams. All these other teams are doing what? And this is is exactly it. 
If I go back and show you what all these other teams are doing and present it to you, then you say I'm putting words in your mouth and not actually talking about what we're talking about. It sounds to me like it is what we're talking about. You want to talk about what all these other teams are doing, which, by the way, I already know I'm going to win the argument. I don't even know what the other teams are doing, but I know that 31 teams lost the Super Bowl. So that's an easy argument for me to win. All these other teams are doing it, and they're not winning. So let's go look at what all these other teams are doing. I will show it to you and say, why didn't they win? And then you'll say, I'm putting words in your mouth. And in Super Bowl contending teams. And then... (laughs) Packers have been Super Bowl contending teams. Not doing apparently what you want. So I don't know that that's the best argument. Other than to say, well, that's why they didn't win, which is ridiculous. Because it comes down to the freaking bounce of the ball and the roll of it. And again, I've already demonstrated what happens if Aaron Jones doesn't fumble twice, you know, and on and on and on and on. We very easily were good enough to win the Super Bowl multiple times. So to say that Gutekunst failed at, at providing us a good enough football team is nonsense. Um, so, yeah, that, that goes into showing it's, it's, you're doing this multiple times. Great. So I'm sorry, you know, didn't see that in the exact way that you were trying to describe in terms of the you know, getting a deal done, and but um, yeah, in terms of um, you know, saying that I hate my team so that's why I'm being biased. No, you don't. I like criticizing things. That's, <laughs> I love criticizing uh, many different things that I love. Political pundits that I really love that I go to bat for. I still critique the heck out of them because I I like critiquing things. So that's I don't hate my team and I have a bias against good. I'm just seeing it how it is. Like I'm just shooting it straight. I I, I you know I don't try to bend. Well, I agree that you're shooting it as as straight as you can, depending on how you see it. And you and I just don't see eye to eye. And I think that that's just the bottom line. I'm trying to demonstrate to you that. If we and and that's 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 the biggest issue is what I keep saying that there's a lot of biggest issues. What I really want to do is to boil down. Tell me specifically what it is that your overall philosophy is, right? Don't give me these vague generalities and all that. Specifically, how should a team operate so that I can boil it down and then we can go back in time and apply it to multiple teams and see whether that is a good strategy or a bad strategy. And generally, what I get is people just flying on. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Let's just, I just like, like come on, everybody knows that. Da, 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 da. I'm not trying to put word, I'm just telling you what I hear generally. And it's like, I just want to pin you down and say, give me specifics. What are the rules? What are the concepts? What are the philosophies? What is it that we're supposed to do? I get that we have differences. I just want to understand what it is specifically. Don't just say, well, he doesn't add in free agent. No, 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 no. Specifically, how many? How much should we be giving up? I mean, the Rams are giving up like all their first-round picks. Is that what you want to do? Is that a little bit too much? Should we be giving up third-round picks, second-round picks, first-round picks? How many picks? What about money? In the you know, when should we should we like starting week one start acquiring talent? Because I don't know why we would wait. So why don't we do it right away? Should we spend all our money? Then what do we do about, you know, when we actually have emergencies and we can't fill that? What exactly would be good enough for you to the point where you believe that he's doing what he should be doing? And then if he does what you want, but the players don't pan out, is he still not doing it right? So it has to be spend all the money, give away all the picks, and they have to be really good football players. But what if they're good football players and we don't win a Super Bowl? Is it still then not good enough because we didn't win? You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of questions not being answered. I just keep hearing he's not doing good enough, he's not doing good enough, he's not doing good enough. And so that's when I come to the conclusion, clearly this is just 
we didn't win, therefore he didn't do good enough. But you can dismiss that by being very specific and say, here is what I think a team should do. And I mean very specific, not vague generalities. So otherwise, we're just kind of going back and forth. And we, I mean, we can do this forever, just bantering back and forth about this issue. But I think at this point, we've come to the conclusion that you and I just have very different team building philosophies. I just want to understand it because you are by far, I mean, and I'm sure you've had a billion conversations with other people as well that have a similar notion that I do, just like I have with people that think like you do. My issue is I've never been able to distill this down into a philosophy that is anything that sounds comprehensive. It just sounds like I want more, I want more, and you didn't give me more. You had an opportunity to get more, and you didn't get more. That's not a that's not a philosophy. That's just whining. So what I would really like is for somebody to give me an overall because that's what this is. This is overall philosophy of t- of team building. And I've I've spent because I'm a Packer fan. I've spent all these years understanding and appreciating the way the Packers do it. Ted Thompson, etc. And maybe there are some fundamental flaws. Maybe the NFL is moving in a different direction that's working or whatever, fine. But somebody's going to have to explain this in a way that makes sense other than saying just give all the stuff and get all the guys and win all the Super Bowls. Because that's all I'm hearing. And again, I keep providing, like, okay, you want to do that. Here's an example. Well, I don't mean that. You're, you're being ridiculous. You're putting words in my mouth. I'm not talking about that. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this. Okay, let's go look at all the other teams who did exactly that and look at how they fail. Oh, well, you're I'm not talking about I'm 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 tired of chasing. I don't want to chase anymore. I want to sit here and be taught by the master cheese ball and in the ways of team building in 2023. You over backwards, you know, to to you know, do things for certain people because I like a certain thing or really have a, a my you know my favorite team. I don't do that, but um, when it comes to uh, putting words in other people's mouth, you did that also with the other caller where he's like, you the uh, all in. You were saying, well, oh, you're saying that uh, if we don't get this deal done, then he's not tr- he doesn't feel like it or he doesn't want to. No one's saying that. No, I've never said. If he doesn't get the deal done, he doesn't want to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. That and plenty of other people aren't saying that, right? They're just saying these deals aren't getting done, and here's the conclusion. It- no, oh, I think I know what you're talking. It's what I just mentioned, right? So the point is, it's. I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to get back into that conversation. I guess what I'm trying to do is to get back to the point where we understand that. Brian Gutekunst wants to do the right thing, and he, if he sees something, he will bring it in, right? So getting to the point where we understand that at the very least, he is not this evil, maniacal monster. I don't mean to put my, uh, words in your mouth. I'm just trying to back up a little bit because things get a little bit heated, and we start throwing words around that don't really make any sense. So let's keep things in their proper perspective. Brian Gutekunst absolutely wants to bring in players but we're what we're refusing to acknowledge is the fact that maybe he comes to a different assessment of the player right that this this is the entire point he's he's not just sitting on his hand saying i don't feel like helping the team he is looking at the exact same players you are but ra- rather than saying just go get him just go get 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 because i feel like it 
He's saying they're not actually that good, as good as you think. They cost too much money. They're not going to help the team. Whatever. He's not just sitting on his hands doing nothing for the sake of doing nothing. He's making all the phone calls. He's doing all the things. The point is, though, he's coming to a different conclusion than you are, which, which would mean, again, rather than just flailing around, if you're going to accuse him of doing the wrong thing by not bringing in players... What you would need to do as the accuser is to specifically mention which players and why it would be a good idea. And again, it's it's going to be completely disingenuous if you just pick the Super Bowl winners and the players they got. That is a disingenuous thing to do. So again, it would be better in the future, for example, like let, let's say Buda Baker right now is the big name. Should the Packers get Buda Baker, yes or no, and why? It's incumbent on you to make the case, because what's going to happen... I'm 95% sure the Packers will not acquire Buda Baker. And I'm also very sure that, I don't know about you, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but let's just say your camp will come out with pitchforks and torches screaming, here's another example of Brian Gutekunst failing and not actually trying to add to the team. And the point that I'm trying to make here is to say that he's not doing it because he hates the team. And I don't think that you actually think that. I'm just trying to get people to recognize, oh yeah, that's kind of a stupid way to think, so that we can start engaging with the reality, which is what? He has fully assessed the player, he has fully assessed the compensation, and has decided that it would be more of a negative addition than a positive addition. Then it just comes down to whether you agree with his assessment and whether that ends up being the right assessment. Sometimes he's going to get it right, sometimes he's going to get it wrong, that's obvious, but again, I'm still not going to crucify him on the issues where he gets it wrong because everybody gets it wrong. So in order to be correct, we need to step back and say how much more do they get it right than get it wrong, and I don't even think anybody would argue that he does a phenomenal job in free agent acquisition. And we can nitpick, well, I'm not talking free agency, I'm talking about trades and the trade deadline. Okay, well, it's not all that different. It's still assessing current NFL players, the pro personnel side of player acquisition, and then measuring that against value and trying to get the the, the proper value in return for what we'd have to give up. So again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth and actually think that you think that he just goes, I hate this football team. I know you don't think that. I'm trying to put things into proper context. He is calling every single one of the prospects that you would like to have the Packers assess. He has come to the conclusion that that is not the right thing to do at this time, that there could be a potential better use of our resources than that. And he's going to get that wrong very often. It's a part of the business. But again, it is a not worthwhile conversation aside from looking into the future and especially Again, trying to boil down the right thing. Should we spend all the money and all the resources right now? Because I don't know why we would wait. Should we go get Buda Baker? We need a safety. We have money. We have draft picks if need be. Should we go do it? Should we do it at all costs? If not, what should we pay? What if they're asking too much? Should we even assess value? Obviously, the answer is yes. In which case, then you would acknowledge that there is a scenario in which the Packers don't get him and it's not the wrong thing to do. All the stuff that I'm saying and what you're saying I'm putting words in your mouth, at least so far, is me just trying to back up and recognize that the rhetoric is nonsensical. Saying that he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. as it, it, It gives off the impression that he doesn't care and he's not trying. And I'm trying to, again, spin that around to get everybody to recognize he very obviously is trying to do the absolute best in every single situation to add to this team. The question is, is he doing it the right way or the wrong way? So we can drop all the rhetoric and the nonsense 
And then again, we just need to boil it down to what should he be doing? Not in terms of he should have got that guy, in terms of specifically what is the philosophy here? And again, I really think it's just going to boil down to, well, he should have got that one guy and then we would have won Super Bowls and blah, 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 which again, I think is a silly, ridiculous way to view things. Because it's not a philosophy. It's just, I just want this and you didn't give me this. Which again, it just it, we're just getting away from the reality that Brian Gutekunst has built a phenomenal football team. And we're doing everything we can to just ignore that. A team with a losing record goes on to win 13 games three years in a row and then fails in the playoffs, which is not disputable because of the lack of play from the players that got us to that point. We had players good enough to win a Super Bowl. That is not disputable. And we're kicking and screaming and doing everything we can to get away from that so that we can attack Brian Gutekunst, which is why I think the attacks on me for being a defender are kind of absurd. Because my position is very easy to defend. He has built a phenomenal football team, and that's not disputable. Based on the evidence of how many games they've won, and based on the evidence that it's not a lack of talent in the playoffs. I have definitively demonstrated that. So there's nothing else to discuss at this point. And we've seen his draft record, which is not number one, but it's certainly good. It's top 10. We've seen his free agent acquisitions, which are unbelievable in terms of how good of a job he does at finding talent, especially at low prices, to come in and, 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 and play at the level that they do. And I'm supposed to be mad at the guy because we didn't win Super Bowls and I'm supposed to blame him. I'm not doing that. That's not my conclusion. That's not what I the, the assessment I came to. And if we want to nitpick, fine, nitpick, but I'm not going to do I'm not going to just chase you around until I start getting very specific information in terms of what exactly should be happening in the past and in the future. And every time you do it, I'm going to apply it to the other 31 teams. Even if you don't like that and you say I'm putting words in your mouth or doing whatever, I'm going to do it because I'm going to assess the philosophy that you bring to me. And if it doesn't work, then I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to buy it as a real thing that's going to work. Not because he's not wanting to feel like it. He's just a little cheap. Everybody has risk assessments. I'm willing to do more. Some other GMs aren't willing to do more. That's not because they don't want to or don't feel like it. It's just that some are less risky, some are more cheap, and all these different, you know, combination of factors. So you can't act like that's not. Okay. So again, that would be on you to be able to demonstrate. I've done massive, I'm talking hours and hours and hours worth of work um, in order to defend my position. So I need you and some of the other people on the other side to start doing some of the legwork because I'm 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 not interested in chasing. Um, demonstrate to me what you mean by cheap, and and there's a pretty. I mean I'm probably gonna end up doing it anyways because I just get annoyed and want to actually look into it. But there, there's a very simple way to do it. You have to look at how much money that they have um, available to them. You know, start of the season, throughout the season, etc., and see where the Packers rank in terms of the amount of money that they have. I would guess they're pretty low most of the time in comparison to a lot of other teams. I don't know, but we could certainly look that up. And if you're talking about cheap in terms of not giving up draft capital, we're just going to disagree on that because I do not want to give up long-term players for short-term gains. I'm not giving up like the Rams have done first-round picks that can be on your team for 20 years so that we can get one or so we can get a guy for a year or two. I'm absolutely not doing that. I think that is that is suicide for a franchise. Um, but again, you can do that work. You tell me the evidence that he is cheap. Maybe he is. I don't know. I think 
there's a good chance that, again, depending on what we're talking about, I'm okay with it. Remember, the nest egg that has gone into the season is to protect the team in terms of catastrophe. So, again, you can disagree with that philosophy. Screw that. I don't care. Let's go all, let's spend all the money and, and go get guys. That's fine. But the other issue is there's very rarely anybody worth any kind of value. When we got uh, Whitney Merciless, that was one of the best guys that was out there. And he has got injury issues. He's old. He's all that stuff. There's not a lot of actual talent left. So again, this whole thing ends up still feeling nitpicky to me. Because when you look at all the talent on a football team, and we're talking about adding one guy that can't even get on a team at this point in his career, I just, I, I think the whole conversation is just kind of nonsense, honestly. But again, I will let you do that work. You can do the legwork in explaining more fully your position and backing up the claims that you're making so that I don't have to go do the work and then spend an hour trying to put together data and then I present to you the data and you say I put words in your mouth and that's not what I'm talking about. I don't feel like chasing that around anymore. You do the legwork and come to me and provide a definitive stance of how you think things are done and Gutekunst has not done it, therefore whatever, whatever. Present whatever you'd like to the show. That's fine. I don't, I, I'm not going to chase and then be accused of putting words in your mouth and everything else. Worn out from all the chasing. Anyways, Cheeseballin does have two more. I saw you got cut off, but we are like an hour and a half in. So we will start tomorrow with some Cheeseballin. Uh, and we do have a bunch of more calls, so I appreciate that. Please keep those coming in. We got Trucker Bob, Garrett, Devin, Nate, Trevor, Dakota, Steve in Alaska, and Trevor in Virginia. Just a mish mishmash. Anyways, thank you guys all for your calls. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com